Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue. Your SB Nation is canceling our podcast at the end of February home. And Danny and I are currently trying to figure out where we're going to move that home to. So stay tuned home for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're still the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue. Stay tuned to learn more about where to find us after February. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about uninspired signings while figuring out podcast logistics and more for Bleed Cubby Blue. And as always, I'm joined by the one and only Danny Rocket. How, how does it feel to be a podcast without a home, Danny? Well, I already have a podcast. So in, in some ways, it's a relief. I'm like, I'm like, oh, finally, I don't have to. Uh, I already have my other podcast. And now we can we can go independent because working for those guys, you know, they don't let you talk how you want to talk. Sometimes, you know, they have guidelines and stuff, but once you go independent, you're free, you can do what you want. And so this is just an opportunity, you know, for us to reinvent the show, completely new name. It's we're going to start rooting for the, for the uh, Anaheim angels. Instead, it's going to be a completely different show. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we're Cardinals fans now, everybody. So stay tuned. <laughs> no. Okay, this is not becoming a Cardinals podcast, even with Wilson Contreras on the team. I can't do that. But um, no, I I agree with you. It is an opportunity, though. And I, and I hope our listeners hear it this way. You know, we are deep in planning conversations, trying to figure out where the podcast will live. As soon as we know the answers to that, you will know the answers to that, because we're hoping that you will follow myself and Danny. And, and I just want to say at the very top, before we get into Cubs news and all that jazz, Huge shout out to our friend, Al Yellen, um, the editor over at Bleed Cubby Blue, who has been so supportive of this show. Uh, funny story about this whole cancellation thing. I didn't even get the email. Like, I'm the contact for the show, and, like, Al got the email instead of me. I didn't get an email until yesterday, like, a, almost a week after we had been canceled from SB Nation saying, oh, by the way, you probably already knew this, but like you, you've you been canceled. And I was like, thanks. Yeah, my editor told me because you emailed him rather than me. But um, Al was great. He called me. I was on a work trip in Dallas, actually. I was like driving through the parking garage and I was like, hey, do you got a minute? And I'm like, oh, God. Uh, and he, he immediately said, you know, I love the work that you and Danny do. I think it brings a lot to the site. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like yet, but I am committed to hosting the podcast on the site. And I still want you to be the podcast for Bleed Cubby Blue. And we're going to figure this out. And just, I'm very, very grateful to have an editor and site manager like Al Yellen um, doing this work with us because he's really supportive of it. And, you know, he doesn't make the, he doesn't make the cancellation decisions and all that jazz over at SB Nation. Those those are decisions made by other people, but just shout out to Al for all the support. Yeah, why doesn't he come on this podcast? Was he cam- is he camera shy? He he will. No, no. He said he would anytime. Let's have mine. We can have Al on anytime we want. Maybe maybe that could be like one of our inaugural episodes in at the new at the new home. Yeah, I've had him on the Sun Ranto show before. It's been a long time. I should have him on Sun Ranto too cuz I I like talking to other people. I not that I ever run out of things to talk about, but it's just nice to like switch it up sometimes, you know, had Michael Cerami from Bleacher Nation, had you on a bunch of times and, you know, oh, yeah. and, and see, and that's what I kind of want people to understand about this show is the Sun Ranto show is my show. I write the script for it. All my zany ideas end up on the Sun Ranto show. We go live it, and it makes it different than this show, which is completely Sarah driven. So, and so that's got a different take to it. Sarah's a lot more analytical, a lot more stats driven. She looks up things that I don't like looking up and <laughs> I don't, it's boring. It's, it's like, I look up to a certain, I look up a lot of stuff. I just don't look up as much of, I don't read the tea leaves as much as you like to read the tea leaves, leaves as far as like, you know, 
you end up hearing this stuff, but it, what I'm saying is I learn a lot from you and that's why I like being on this show. So I know that everybody that's listening to the show, they learn a lot from you and probably not as much from me, but still, uh, you know, I'm, I like to be the side man on this one, let you kind of take the lead. And I'm already doing the work with Sun Ranto show by watching the games and looking everything up and, and having an opinion and a personality. So like, all I got to do is, is show up here, let you drive the bus. And it's, and it's nice to do like, it's fun. So like to my kind of sensibilities with all this that's going on, and why I say it's an opportunity is because it's not like they're not like uh, cracking the whip on us or anything like that, saying, you know, you can say this. They're probably not even listening. OK, but <laughs> they're not. But um, but, but uh, at the same time, like to be underneath like a certain sort of like uh, umbrella, they're choosing the ads that you're doing. They're choosing, uh, you know, every way like maybe now. We were talking before we could have an ad free version because we're in control of our, right. our, our feed yes. now. So we can uh, provide different things to our listeners and the people that enjoy listening to our show that SB Nation was never going to uh, give us. So it's really great that Al's going to keep us on as the podcast because that's great visibility for us, of course. And, uh, and being involved with like the longest running blog, I think, if all the Cubs blogs are oh, yeah. close, if not the. So um, so that's really cool. And taking advantage of their Facebook and the and the Twitter and all all the things that go with that, so it's it'd be dumb to give it up because we love talking about the Cubs and uh, I I think uh, I think we just uh, we're gonna we're gonna rock a new situation and we'll do even better than we did last time, even though it's the exact same as it was before. Like the show is the same, yeah. you know. The show is still me and it's still Danny and it's still us talking about the Cubs and us riffing on what they are doing or aren't doing at 1060 West Addison at the. The one thing that this does give us an opportunity for, and I'm so glad you mentioned um, possibly having an ad-free version of the show or like a Patreon-supported version or just things that we were never able to even talk about as options here before. Um, You know, we also would love to hear from you. If you listen to this show, you know where to find Danny and myself on Twitter, at Sunranto for Danny, at BCB underscore Sarah, no H on the Sarah for me. Shoot us a DM. Tell us what you like about the show. Tell us why you listen um, and what you'd like to hear more of. And and we'll we'll make that happen. I mean, one of the things, you know, anytime one door closes and another one opens, like you get to rebuild some stuff. You get to tweak some things. And, and if there are things that you wish we were doing more of or less of or uh, really content that you feel like you get here that you don't get other places, let us know what those things are. We will lean into them and and build that show that you want. Um, so, you know, I, I really do consider this an opportunity. It is going to be important. Uh, if you do listen to the show, listen over the next couple of weeks so you know where to find us and can subscribe to the new show. And um, thank you all for following us so far and, and follow us where we go next because it, it'll still be a fun conversation, I promise. Yeah, and we'll be tweeting out where we'll be. So uh, it'll be a different situation, but we'll have you resubscribe on a different or maybe we can even get it to point. We're figuring all this stuff out, but we will keep you in the know so that you can keep up with us and follow us on all our socials so that you find out what the heck we're doing. Yeah, totally. All right. That's enough news about the podcast. There there will be more details coming out there as Danny and I do some planning. The show is still going to be exactly where you have found it um, for the last three years uh, until February 28th. So, you know, don't, don't go anywhere just yet. Um, speaking of guys who didn't know where they were going to be and now know where they're going to be, it appears that Manny Rodriguez and Anthony Kay have both cleared waivers for the Chicago Cubs. So they are back uh, in AAA 
uh, pitching for the Cubs. Anything we need to know about here? I mean, I like Manny Rodriguez a lot. I think he's he's got a live arm. He throws really hard. It's, it's There's some command and control issues there um, in terms of his ability to really stick at the major league level, but he's an intriguing arm for sure. Danny, anything you see in either of these players? Are you glad they're still in the Cubs system? Are you, do you just want to sing the K jeweler song again? Yeah, every kiss begins with K. <laughs> um, well, I mean, Anthony K, we haven't really seen much of. We saw a little bit more of man rod as I like to call him. And, uh, it, and, but I did hear from somebody during actually, I think it was like last week during the Sun Ranto show, we were talking about Anthony K um, because we were just going through all the bullpen arms that we had. And this was before he was even uh, DFA that we were talking about it. And uh, we were kind of making fun of him. Like who the heck's this guy, you know, like on the fringe of our bullpen. And um, some, some dude piped in and he goes, I saw him pitch like last summer, like when he was with the blue Jays or whatever it was. Cause I think that's where he came from. And yeah. said, he goes, just watching him, it like passed my eyeball test. So I'm like, all right, let me look this guy up. So he's got the 94 fastball, which isn't going to blow anybody out of the water. It's like pretty much, you know, par for the course these days. Um, and then he, uh, the 85 mile per hour slider um, and a, a change and a, and a rare curveball. So it's like the interesting thing about him is he seems to have at least three pitches. And from a bullpen standpoint, you know, oftentimes it's just the two pitch, you know, kind of situation. Sometimes they'll have a, a good third out pitch or whatever. But um, the guy said, he goes, this looks, this dude looks really good. Um, lots of swing and misses on the fastball um, and uh, natural sinking action. I'm looking at his Brooks baseball page right now. And this is what I looked up before. Really great depth on the slider. Um, so uh, it, and he doesn't, and that's pretty much, he's like a fastball slider guy for the most part, but he does have the other pitch that he barely throws. Um, but, but still he can do it or try it. And so, I don't know, maybe it's kind of interesting to, you want these guys to, to be in Iowa just because, you know, injuries happen. You need arms that you need arms all year long. And if those arms can be quality, who knows? Maybe Anthony K is pretty good. Manrod, he, um, it, you know, he's got that. He's got the velocity, just like you said, control issues. And um, he looked really happy to be at Cubs convention. I'll tell you that much. Like he was slapping five with all the kids when he came out and stuff. So um, I'm, I'd rather hold on to these guys than just lose them. But it also is a little disheartening that no teams want our pitchers. <laughs> like they, didn't... they don't want our pitchers. Rip, the podcast is getting cut. It's like it's like sad, sad o'clock over here, Danny. We got to we got to spice things up a bit. Well, I mean, I guess kind of the way you could figure it is that every team has these guys on the fringes of their roster, and they don't want to have to take a chance that they're gonna, you know, pay out pay money and then. Um, or, or have to make a trade for cash or something like that. And then have to keep this guy on their roster the whole time. Like, you know, just let him slide through the waivers and now we get to keep him. So it is really good news for the Cubs because, you know, the guy throws like near a hundred, like Manny Rodriguez, Manrod does, you know, then um, you kind of want to see what could happen with that figures it out. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to lose an arm that has a lot of talent um, like that. Speaking of guys who might be in the bullpen, one of the things that I get asked about all the time, usually on fantasy podcasts, is the Cubs bullpen, which I think is pretty sneaky good right now. It is one place where I think they could 
add a, a veteran arm on a one-year or two-year deal if they were so inclined. I'm I'm thinking about Mr. Andrew Chafin, who was a fan favorite over here. And I believe there's an obvious shirts campaign to get Andrew Chafin back in the fold. Come on, come on, Jed. Give us give us a guy who's one of our favorites back as as a just small reward uh, for all of our loyalty. But Danny, what moves do you see the Cubs needing to make? Let's start with the bullpen and then we can broaden it to the rest of the team. But what what moves are you still looking for this well, offseason? Yeah, like we got to talk Chafin for a moment because, you know, there's more to Andrew Chafin than just the fact that he's been a decent, pretty good lefty arm uh, for the last few years. 283 ERA in Detroit last year. Uh, and that that's a big ballpark. And then uh, he after we traded him to Oakland, um, he, he had a 206 with us, a 153 with Oakland. So just a great 2021. And this is like after he really kind of fell apart in Arizona. I don't know what the heck happened there, but he really found a home in Chicago. He looks like Bleacher Jeff, uh, our friend that sits <laughs> in left field. So they became buds. Me and Crawley became great friends with him. Um, in Detroit, actually, uh, when he was with the Cubs, when we went down there and we were, we sat right in front of the bullpen and he was like mucking it up with us the whole game. He really enjoys the fans and he has a good time with us. He knows that we love him in Chicago. He knows we want him back. That's got to count for something. So you, you mentioned the obvious shirt campaign. I went one further. I told him that he knows who Bleacher Jeff is because they look the same. Like he, he thinks it's hilarious too. So, um, but I, uh, there's a three bedroom open up in me and Bleacher Jeff's building. We have, we live in the same building. I'm on the third floor. He's on the first in the second floor on the other side, three bedroom open. So I told Andrew Chafin, I'm like, dude, I could get you a good deal at a three bedroom place. What do you say? You move in there. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go to the Salvation Army. We'll get you a futon and stuff. So you'll be, you'll be golden. You hang out, you play bags with me and Jeff. Out in the in the, in our backyard here, Jeff's got Jeff's got a nice bag set. We'll do a little barbecuing and and we'll slam old styles all summer long after the game. And uh, I I I'm jumping on the obvious train here. So I I uh, I tweeted that at him. Hopefully he'll take advantage, get back to me because uh, he can even use my parking spot. Like we can we can he can use my car. You know, in the summer I don't use it that much. So I'm yeah I want, I want him that badly. That's how badly I want Andrew Chafin on this baseball team. He's a great pitcher. And, you know, last night on Sun Ranto, we talked about all the starters. And you're going to need yourself a bullpen because you got a few guys that can give you the seven innings. That's like, you know, now the new complete game pretty much. Um, but other than that, you know, even Smiley because of his injuries in the past, like everybody's going to give you about 100 innings in the year that they're looking at to be their starters. And that means you're going to see an awful lot of bullpen innings. So unless you're going to use some of those starters as long relief, your Keegan Thompson or something like that, you're going to want something at the back end that if you are winning a close game, <laughs> you've got to <laughs> shut it down. I mean, I don't know. And let Chafin close. I don't know. Somebody mentioned last night, Alzali, you know, that he could be a guy because they didn't have him start anymore, but, they did pick up Boxberger. I know they had high hopes for Jeremiah Estrada, who also dials it up there in the hundreds like Manrod does. So you're waiting for Cody Hoyer, I guess, to be the guy, but who knows? Uh, you know, he's from the White Sox. Those guys always do terrible, except Sammy Sosa. So I don't – I, <clears throat> you know, there's just – everybody seems to think the bullpen's going to be fine. And 
I'm I'm not all that sure. <laughs> I'm somewhere. Yeah, I'm, I'm, somewhere in the, they weren't fine last year. They were not. They were certainly not fine. I let's talk about Alzali in the back of that pen for just a second because I like Adbert Alzali. I think the arm is electric, and I'm curious what he can do in a bullpen ro- role as opposed to a starting role. I think that it would be good for his durability. He'd be able to air it out a little bit. He probably would add a tick or two um, to his fastball and his slider, and, and that could be potentially really nasty. And also, the thing I know about Adbert is that he had the worst splits against left-handed hitters in baseball in, I think it was 2021. Uh, I am not all that interested in watching him get absolutely mashed um, every time there are lefties at the plate. So I sort of see Alzali's role, and and I don't love this, but this is what I think the Cubs are doing right now. I sort of think that they don't have a set closer. They've got Brandon Hughes, who can get lefties out. They've got Adbert Alzali, who can get righties out. They've got Brad Boxberger, who has closed once upon a time. And then they're just going to kind of hope that Cody Hoyer is ready to go uh, sometime in June or July and give him a chance to audition for the role. I mean, I, I play a lot of fantasy leagues, and frankly, I am not throwing very many darts at the Cubs bullpen, with the exception of some really deep 50-round draft champions where you you basically don't ever pick, you can't pick up anybody off the waiver wire. You're picking up your entire roster right now and you can move people in and out. Um, but I just, I, I don't know, Danny, I sort of see the back end of this bullpen as a little bit of a mystery. And I could not agree with you more that adding a, a veteran presence like Chafin to it, a guy who you could maybe flip for prospects later when the Cubs aren't in, uh, aren't in the race anymore at the trade deadline, that, that seems like a no brainer to me. And so it's curious to me that the Cubs haven't really been linked to him. Yeah, I mean, it, it would just be nice. And it's if you get one more ace pitcher, this is a good pitching staff. If you get one more uh, back end bullpen, that's a it's a good pitching staff. Add to it some of the work that you did by filling some of your obvious holes at the end of last year, and uh, you might actually have a decent team that could possibly take a very weak central. You know, I don't know where it gets from there, but it could be a fun year if they could, you know, make a little hay with with more out of what they got. Everybody takes the step forward that we want. You know, everybody stays healthy. That's the biggest thing, of course. But, yeah, I don't. Well, you can't get the starter anymore. I don't think they exist. I don't think they're out there unless you were to trade for them. And but I think the reliever does. But you don't necessarily want to overpay for a closer. I don't think people oh, are particularly anymore. not right now, not with this team. Yeah, no, this team, yeah. <laughs> and so it, it's just like, and, and, you know, I'm, I don't usually talk like that. I'm just like, yeah, bring them all in. Whatever you got to spend. I don't care. $500 million payroll, not my money. Keep it coming. The last guy in. But like, when you look around, like you got Tyone, who's, who has uh, been known to eat many an inning. So he would have led the Cubs with innings last year. And then Stroman probably next. Um, as far as innings eating, and then I don't know where it goes from there. You know, it's just kind of like, you know, you're going to have Steele in there. I guess he he could eat quite a few innings, but they're going to be careful with him because he's young. They want to protect him. And then, but so, but after that, I'm just saying that there's not a lot of innings eaters. Like you've got all these kind of piggyback candidates with your Keegan's and I don't know what they want to do with Wesneski and stuff. So, but what I'm saying is you're going to need a lot of innings out of the bullpen. Now, how many of those, those are going to go to a guy like Keegan Thompson or 
I don't know, Adrian Sampson. Like, yeah, how are they going to work it? What is that? The that lasts like, you know, four or five starter role look like. And because that's what affects what the bullpen looks like. Does that make sense? It does. And I, um, you know, the hate, I, I think Hayden Wisniewski is going to get a fair share of starts in 2023, mainly because, you know, you mentioned Justin Steele is like one of the guys you think can eat some innings. I, I'm a little bit worried about Justin Steele's innings. I think he threw 119 last year. It was a career high across all of his time in the majors and the minors. And and if I recall correctly, he was like sitting towards the end of last season because they were concerned about back issues and the like. And he, he just kind of ran out of gas. I mean, Justin Steele is a guy who I think can probably get up to 130, 140 innings, but Hayden Wisniewski threw 155 last season. And I, 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 am, I think Hayden Wisniewski is going to get all those starts that Hendricks can't make because his shoulder is sore or, you know, uh, Smiley can't make because he hasn't thrown more than 120 innings in five years and Steele can't make because they're giving him some rest because he maxed out his innings in 2022. So I think there's more than enough innings to go around. Um, Let's take a quick break for our sponsors. On the flip side, we'll look to see if there are any position player moves that we're hoping that the Cubs will make um, before the start of the season. We will also talk about the Hall of Fame vote. Uh, There will be a new uh, Hall of Fame member inducted by the Baseball Writers Association of America. But first, a quick break. All right, so we kind of covered the pitching side of things. We talked through the bullpen a little bit. Um, Danny, any more thoughts on pitchers before we move to position players? Are there any position player holes on the, left on this team? Are there moves Jed needs to make still? I mean, <laughs> there's things you could do, but, I mean, they're not going to do them. So <laughs> it's not worth I mean, I think they feel like they filled the holes, so it's not worth me telling them, you know, they got the platoon. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like if, if I were to walk in there, they asked me, hey, Danny, you know, Jed goes, hey, Danny, what do you think we should do? I'm like, and I would tell them this. I'd tell them exactly this. If you're not going to re-sign Hap, trade him right now. Trade him right now because I don't want to him being out. Like, get everything you can. Don't, uh, you know, I I don't know if he's even in conversations or, or like how that's working, if he's going to try to sign him first. And, but that's what I'd be interested in, in doing, because if, if you're not going to re-sign him, you got to get what you can. That was pretty frustrating with Wilson last year. And I think that that laying over his head isn't going to be good for him. And it's not going to be good for the Cubs. Um, it's going to make him worse. He just had a career year. He's going to have a worse season if he's spending the whole year worried about getting traded. Like Wilson Contreras managed to grit that out for about five months before he kind of fell off a cliff in June, right before the trade deadline. And then had a resurgent um, August after that. But like, I I agree with you, like Ian Happ is not going to thrive in an environment where he thinks he's going to be traded the whole time. His trade value will never be higher. If those conversations are not at the, I don't know what's, what's the closest thing to the finish line. I'm about to mix metaphors in a really bad way, but if those conversations are not very near the finish line, I agree with you. That is an asset that you need to flip for prospects. And we can see what Christopher Morrell can do in left. Yeah. Well, uh, well you can put, I think Mancini can go out there too. I mean, there's, I mean, wisdom could go out there. Like there's, there's other things you could do, but it's just, um, you know, it's, it's just, uh, I don't know. Jed did the blue Friday thing. And then last year was kind of a bust as far as the trade deadline. If, the, if the idea is to wait and get these flippy deals going on, all, you know, then that's fine. It, but th- then do it, like get the pipeline going like last year. And maybe, 
maybe people felt a little fleeced by the Cubs last year and they wouldn't uh, do business this time. I don't know what happened, but uh, it was a little disappointing because we said goodbye to Wilson like 46 times. <laughs> it was just like, come on. That was painful. Yeah. Every one of them was painful. Um, You know, I, I think the only team that felt kind of fleeced by the Cubs was the Mets. And that's because they traded PCA. Pete Crow Armstrong, who was coming off an injury. And so the Mets hadn't really like done a good evaluation of what PCA was going to be like when he recovered. And that's really the only asset that the Cubs got in those trades that I feel absolutely certain about in my bones is going to play for the Chicago yeah. Cubs at some point in time. Like, and, and I am including the U Darvish for all of the teenagers in the land trade, which I'm still angry about because frankly, like, are any of those guys close to the majors? I mean, the guy I hear the most about is Owen Casey, and I think he's 19 or 20 still. Yeah. He, he's somehow getting younger. I don't know what happened. Like, maybe Canadians <laughs> age backwards, like, Mork from Mork. But, no, no, PCA, I think that's going to be a, a, the greatest deal of them all. But at the, at the other, the I really like Mervis. I don't know if you caught David Kaplan had an interview with uh pca and matt mervis over at the obvious shirt store did you happen to catch that i did not tell yeah, me that uh, well it was really great uh first of all these guys both of them are kind of um i won't say wise beyond their years but like super well spoken for the age that they are now mervis a little older but um even so like they are very intent on what they want out of their careers and um, Kaplan told me we went to lunch on Monday. He he said, PCA asked about my um, about my sons. He goes, how are your kids? How are your sons doing? Like just super like family guy. Like I don't know who who you were at age twenty, but I wasn't like, hello sir, how are your kids? <laughs> like you know what I mean? I was not. <laughs> I guarantee I was not. And then, but the thing that impressed me about the interview was really Matt Mervis, who seemed super intense. He seemed like he had a chip on his shoulder from not getting drafted. He felt, you know, because he he was, he admitted that he was pissed off that he did not get drafted and he had a chip on his shoulder. He did all the due diligence with all 30 major league teams, picked the Cubs, it's between the Cubs and the Yankees and, and Yankees, and it had everything to do with what he thought Anthony Rizzo was going to do. So he did all that due diligence. Who's going to need a first baseman? Picked the Cubs. And then, um, had a, a career year, but he, according to him, he had a bad year the year before. He goes, that was the anomaly. He goes, that I goes, I wasn't feeling my swing. Something was off. I'm back, and I'm and I'm ready to go. And then when it came up between, because um, Kaplan goes, well, you guys are kind of in the same boat, meaning that you're both in the minor leagues heading to the show. Um, and Mervis was like, oh no, we're not in the same boat. He's a first round draft pick. I made a spreadsheet of which teams I should be with and uh, and made sure I was undrafted. I walked on and I got myself a job. Pete Crow Armstrong got a bonus like I didn't get that, you know, so he was very clear about that. And it seemed like he had such a chip on his shoulder that he just has something to prove. And it excited me like hearing him talk. And um, so that. And that's the disappointment about the platoon situation, because I feel like, uh, you know, maybe you just want to give him the, the leech. God. Or, but come on, just do something like we all want to see him play. Thank you. OK, couple of things. When I've heard 
parts of this Mervis story before uh, Eno Saris was at First Pitch Arizona uh, with me um, over over the fall. And Eno and I were talking during the Fall Stars game, actually, um, when Matt Mervis was about to hit a home run to put um, their team up above, uh, up ahead of the of the opposition. Um, God, I said that in the most awkward way possible. <laughs> like talking like this is cricket or something. Sorry, y'all. It's it's been one of those one of those weeks. Um, but anyway, Eno told me the, a version of this story minus something that you just added that I love, which is this sort of like colossal chip on his shoulder, willing to like step up and just prove everybody wrong portion of it. Which, frankly, I am here for that energy. It's part of the reason that Wilson Contreras was always and will always be my favorite player. It's part of the reason that I think Wilson Contreras is just going to absolutely murder the Cubs for the next five years. And we're all just going to have to sit there and watch it happen. And he he is going to do it with glee and he's going to look real good in red. And it's going to be hard for me to watch as a person. It's going to be awesome for me to watch as a fan of Wilson Contreras who wants him, wants good things for him always. Matt Mervis has a little bit of that energy from what you're telling me, the energy of like, oh yeah, I'm not on your top prospect list. I'm not your number one draft pick. I am going to show up. I'm going to win a job and I'm going to hit 30 home runs. And like, here's the thing. When you tell me stuff like that, frankly, I wish Jed Hoyer and company had not signed at least one of Eric Hosmer and Trey Mancini, probably both of them. Just let the kid play. There is something to be said when someone is on an upswing and things are going well, there's no reason that like 600 more plate appearances at AAA is going to make them better. You're just wasting some of that energy and drive and like push and experience. Let that kid do it at the MLB level and see what happens. He doesn't need 500 more plate appearances against bad pitching at AAA. He already slashed his K rate in AAA to like some stupid number. I think it's like 15.7% or whatever. I'm going to go look it up because I, I remember it was just a really impressive, like I strike out less and hit more home runs. I strike out less and hit more home runs at every level last year it was so yeah, cool. And, and why not? If, I mean, I know that they're giving lip service to the fact that they're going for it by signing Dans, Dansby Swanson, but they did oh. a heck of a lot of work to get back to a pretty average team. Like, and if you do, and don't take my word for it, I know I can be somewhat negative and down on the team, sometimes in, in a negative spirally way where I just can't stop being negative, but Vegas does not screw around. And go look at the Vegas odds about winning the World Series. And you can say that winning the World Series is not the goal. But to be like bottom 10 teams from winning the World Series means that you're not even average. Like you're not, you don't even have a snowball's chance in hell of getting anywhere close to the World Series is what Vegas thinks. And Vegas, they don't have all those, you know, shiny towers with the flashing lights and the showgirls and everything because they don't make any money. They make all the money and the house always wins. And that's why they got all that awesome stuff to show you. And so uh, you can't mess around with it. They're nine out of 10 times. Right. And and so, you know, we got to just look at it in a way that, yeah, why not let the kids play? Anthony Rizzo was on some bad Cubs teams, but he did. He... And became better as a result. Um, here, here are the Mervis numbers that I was thinking of, and I was slightly off. It was not 15.7%. It's actually better, dear listener. So I, I just want to share these. In 2021 at AAA, Matt Mervis uh, struck out 26.7% of the time. He went to high A to start 2022. Across 108 plate appearances, he struck out 24.1% of the time. He went to double A 
played 53 games, 230 plate appearances. He struck out 20% of the time. Goes to Triple A, 57 games, 240 plate appearances. He strikes out 14.6% of the time, and he just has more power at every level. Like, let the kid play. I can't. What you gonna- what? <laughs> Nobody wants to see Eric Hosmer driving double plays into the ground. Like, let this kid play. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't get it. And um, I mean, maybe that is the plan. I mean, Hosmer, he doesn't cost you a thing. Uh, maybe I, I bet you they're they they're hoping he starts strong, and then Matt Mervis is still good in AAA, and then uh, they'll trade Hosmer and get Mervis, or you know, who knows? Maybe they don't even like Mervis, and they're like, let's just trade him like a prospect, and like you know. But I, I will lose my mind. Yeah, I know, I know. But I'm just, who knows what they're thinking? Like, it's it's hard because I feel like this front office specifically, they, and maybe all of them to some extent, when they get an idea in their head, when they got their prospect list going on, when they're doing their depth charts, and they've already had the idea that something is away that they believe it to be, they have trouble changing that mindset because they did not draft Matt Mervis. He chose them and they went with it and they said okay you can play first base for us in it but it was different than it had than it probably should have been um especially because the cubs knew that they weren't going to resign anthony rizzo it was going to need a first baseman so they just didn't get any they just kept uh, getting pitchers but uh and well anyway i'm getting off track here but yeah i mean i just feel like they they fallen too in love with their ideas and so it's harder for a guy like Christopher Morel to get taken seriously, for example. Like he wasn't on the prospect list either, but they're still like, oh no, you know, uh, you know, Nick Madrigal is a first round pick, so we're gonna let him freaking, you know, you know, lollygag around third base for what? For what? <laughs> I I have never wanted to see anything less than Nick Madrigal throwing across the diamond. Like, do you remember when Tommy Lastella would occasionally play third base and and, and the arm was just like tragically no comically bad nick madrigal has a worse arm than tommy lastella people like it, it is not going to be pretty watching him do anything at third base he can barely do it from second base i mean i to go back to the way the cubs front office values prospects and, and again like they're very smart people over there and i'm sure that they have insights and data and analytics and the id system and all this stuff that i don't have access to and i, I just have what we have here on like baseball savant and fan graphs and all the things that are publicly available to everyone. And when I look at those things, I look at Christopher Morrell and I see a guy who is in the 98th percentile of arm strength, the 91st percentile of barrel rate and the 89th percentile of sprint speed. And that is intriguing to me. And I would like to subscribe to that newsletter. And I am not interested in seeing what McKinstry, Mastroboni, Madrigal, any other guy whose last name starts with M can do taking plate appearances away from the guy who is in the top 10% of the league in terms of raw tools. Like, I just don't even understand why we're having this conversation even a little bit at all. And it sort of seems like they have the same idea of like, oh, Eric Hosmer, oh, Trey Mancini, we're, we're more credible with these veterans uh, uh, in, at first base. I'm like, how about Matt Mervis? How about the dude who is proving to you right now every single day, hit 29 home runs and slashed his K-rate at every single level last season? And you're like, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, I know. Got to see what Eric Hosmer can do. Yeah, and, and um, you know, speaking of like what I was saying before about like trading half, and I don't want that to happen, just so everybody knows, I really do think they should work something out with them and get some like 
some sort of continuity to this damn baseball team. But uh, I, but I do think that if they, they have too much of all of what you were just talking about, which is the 86 backup second baseman. And um, you know, because you, you moved Horner over there already. So it's like it's not a situation that you really need. You have an everyday player out there, barring injury, to go in there. You even have a backup in Morrell at second, short, and third. So, I mean. And the outfield. And the outfield. So you have these things. Um, but at the – so I would just trade somebody. And I know they were trying to trade Madrigal. It's probably why they're – Make it and play third base. Like, look, he can play third. I'm like, dude, that doesn't. That's not going to do what you think it does. It's going to expose <laughs> him for being crappy at third. Like, like everybody can be laughing. They're like, yeah, see him play third. <laughs> I cannot imagine whose idea this is and why the team is seriously floating it. Like, I have seen enough of Nick Madrigal. Look, and and no offense, I, I'm sure Nick Madrigal is a really nice guy. I know that everybody thinks that the contact skill is like elite, whatever. The problem with Nick Madrigal, and and it's it's really easy to diagnose if you just go to Baseball Savant to Statcast data and look at his hit chart. Nick Madrigal makes contact. He does not make contact hard enough to get it deep in the outfield, which means that there's no reason for teams to play their outfielders deep enough for those hits to become singles, let alone extra base hits, right? Like you can just pull everybody in. And even with the new shift rules, like Nick Madrigal is not going to get a ball past those outfielders enough of the time for that contact tool to play because he doesn't hit the ball hard enough. So Nico Horner is what everybody thought Nick Madrigal was, except he's got enough power and speed to occasionally loft the ball over the outfielders and down the line in a way that means you can't just play him super shallow. That's why Nico Horner is doing the thing that all of the analytics people thought Nick Madrigal would do and doing it much better. And frankly, like you put Nick Madrigal at third base for any significant amount of time, you will decrease his trade value, not increase it because people will be like, Oh my God, this guy really is just the second baseman and, and one who can't hit the ball very hard at that. Yeah. But what you want him to be is Tommy LaStella and he's not. Yes. Yeah, and, right. and he's not. And so exactly right. Um, yeah. So I don't know, but people were super high on him. And I feel like because of that, he gets the longer leash. And so uh, they're just like, no, we're, we give him 500 looks. It's like when we saw uh, McKintree play every game last year. Now, it kind of – when I look at his numbers now, he is like one of the fastest guys on the team, Zach McKintree. Is, he really is. But it doesn't matter if you're not on base. <laughs> like, I'm – look – we were talking last night on the Sun Ranto show. You got bigger bases. You can't throw over as much. Like you got a pitch clock. You got all these things that are going to be advantage base runners, steal bases. Um, but it doesn't matter if you're not up first. <laughs> so it just, just doesn't. You can turn a single or walk into a double. I'm all for that. Score on a score on a single. But uh, if you're not up first base, it doesn't matter. Like you can't have a OBP of 200 and expect that to work out. So I mean, I'm looking at Zach McKinstry's uh, Statcast page right now, and and you're right, he's in the 70s. Like to be clear, like fastest guy on the team means he's 77th percentile in sprint speed. Christopher Morell is faster. Let's okay. be clear, quite a bit faster than Mr. McKinstry. Uh, also has a better arm. Also has a much better max EV. But but I digress. The problem for Zach McKinstry, as far as I can tell is that he does not hit the ball very hard at all. His his hard hit rate 
in 2022 with uh, across 116 batted ball events was 30.2%. Like if you don't hit the ball hard, you have problems. You you're it's the same. It's not quite the magical level problem. I should go see what his hard hit rate is, but, but it's still a problem, right? Like you cannot, you have to hit the ball hard enough to make the outfielders move back so you can get hits. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Well, no, he's not. No, nobody's scared of these guys, and um, but they're getting all the looks in the world. And so there's, I just, there's just a glut of it. They've got to do something. Like so, you said, what, what do you want them to do? Um, where, where could they fill in? I think they can make some trades. Like even if it is just for like clearing the deck here a little bit, because you know, you, it just, it's, it's. Not, it's not that I don't want to talk about it, but and it is just the fringe of the the roster. But it's like it's if you really want a bench bat, that's who Nikki Two Strikes was supposed to be. Like, come on, late in the game, tie game, get on base, start the inning, let's go, let's get. That has not been the case. So, uh, and maybe he's got. I know White Sox fans thought he did, but like, you know, it's just you got to get that guy. You you know, he's the guy supposed to be Tommy Lasella. Supposed to be that. Yeah. Um, speaking of Christopher Morell, I'm going to pull up Nico Horner here in a second too. So Christopher Morell hits the ball wicked hard. His his max EV last season was 112.9 miles per hour. Wow. That is not quite Wilson Contreras territory, but it's pretty darn close. Um, his hard hit rate is 40.3 percent. He hits the ball hard 10 percent of the time more than a Zach McKinstry does. And if and if we want to compare that to Nikki Two Strikes, which we can, I'm, Nick Madrigal has never hit a ball harder than 106.5 miles per hour. That's his max EV from last season. His hard hit rate last season was 24.6%. Yeah, you can't, I mean, we get a bunch. Th- that's not a. Ama- I'm sorry. That's I, I'm not trying to be mean or anything like the contact is good, but like, if you don't hit the ball hard enough for people to be challenged about where they play you, that, that's just not going to yeah, work. You, right. Like I, you're not going to blue pit your way into the hall of fame here. right well i'm not even looking at the hall of fame i'm looking at like are you a serviceable guy who can be in the lineup on a day-to-day basis and then then just to do some comparison um for argument's sake because nico horner is another guy who doesn't hit the ball he doesn't hit the ball as hard as christopher morrell um and he does have a pretty good contact skill uh nico horner's max ev across his career is 109.7 miles per hour his hard hit rate last season was 33.5 percent of the time it was 34.4 percent of the time and 2021 i mean that is that's the difference between being rosterable or not in my mind right like it's the it's that seven percent of the time that nico hits the ball hard that nick madrigal does not and i look man zach mckinstry somewhere in the middle there too and i i'm not going to pull up all the like rylan bannon master brony whatever dudes but like i have a hunch they're all in that same sort of nether world of we don't hit the ball hard enough yeah. to make this happen. And you can keep collecting those guys. If you would like Jed, like you can keep collecting all the quad a guys, hoping that you're going to find a diamond in the rough, but why not invest in the guy you have on your team who hits the ball hard 10% of the time, more than all of these dudes and let him get some playing time at 23 years. old. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what drives you nuts. Cause that's why we didn't want to see Zach McKintree out there because you know, Christopher Morrell was already doing those things. He's sitting on the bench. So, uh, yeah. And, and maybe, and, and maybe we're wrong. Maybe Christopher Morrell goes out there and gets exposed so quickly. And it's, and it's, but Hey, at least we find that out because they didn't always saw, we saw his strikeout rate go up. 
That's what we saw. Yeah. And but what? So that benches you. And now you don't get a chance to fix that. You have you've got to go out there uh, or just the one time a week, two times a week that you get to play and be worried that if you go, you know, over three, you're going to get benched again and you won't see any playing time for another week. Meanwhile, Zach McKinstry is allowed to go over five every single day. Bad a hundred. Like that's what it has fans scratching their heads because you, you, we want to be like, you guys do realize we're watching this, right? <laughs> <laughs> we see the players on the field. I, I, I used to like every day while, when I was sitting at Wrigley field, I kind of do the math really quick on Zach McKinstry's OPS. We're talking on base plus slugging here. People I'm like, woo on base plus slugging 438. On base plus slugging, 442. On, I'm like, how long can your OPS be under 550? The, the Jeff Zimmerman, um, another fantasy analyst who does great work and writes a book called The Process, has he says that the on the ops line, like for being a major league player, is 650. Like a guy's probably going to lose his job if it's under 650. I'm like, yeah. Zach McKinstry just lives under 650. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't understand what is going on here. I mean, look at this. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Since the Cubs got him, he played, uh, let's see, August 2nd, the 4th, the 5th, the 6th, the 9th, the 10th, the 13th, the 14th, the 15th, what? the 16th, the 17th, the 18th. Like, he's just like an everyday player. Then in September, he played every day. There, I mean, let's see, uh, game 32 to 57. That is, what, 24 games? Meanwhile, like, yes, Christopher Morrell was getting exposed against breaking and off-speed stuff. And you know how you fix that when you're 23 years old? You see more breaking and off-speed pitches and then you adapt. Yeah. Like, you have to push through that to get to the other side. Zach McKinstry, I think we've seen the upside. Christopher Morrell, I think we have not. And it's just, it's very aggravating to watch this team just continue to invest in quad A dudes and not invest in real homegrown talent that has a chance to be a difference maker. Danny, I know we're coming up against the end of the show here, but um, is there a high note we can end on? Maybe the calendar or something so that we, yeah. we don't end on why can't Christopher Morrell get some love from the Cubs front office? The calendars are almost finished. I've, they're awesome. And what I've done this year, uh, this and let me just explain. This is the Rancher calendar. It's a Cubs fan calendar featuring pictures that I took last year uh, at Wrigley Field. And those are like the main pictures on the, the other, on the uh, top of the calendar, on the bottom of the calendar, where the days are is um, all these, all the cub fans and their birthdays. So everybody that buys a calendar and some notable cub fans that you might know, uh, like Sarah here, uh, the are in the calendar. And so, you know, when everybody's birthday is and what we've been doing on the Sun Ranto show is looking at the calendar and wishing everybody happy birthday on the show and also, uh, you could see when all the other different, and you could have your picture on your day or around it. If you share a birthday with somebody, it's got to go next to it. Plus, um, the entire Cubs schedule I've written in there um, so that you can know where the Cubs are playing and, and who they're playing. And also, um, uh, notable Cubs dates. Like, um, for example, Ernie Banks' birthday, I believe, is coming up at, next week. So, uh, that's in there. And so, it's a really fun calendar. I make it every year. It's at sunranto.com slash calendar. You just buy the calendar 
And then there's instructions to send me a uh, picture of yourself so you can be in the calendar. You could add some family members if you like. Not too many, like not the, you know, uncle and uncles and aunts and cousins and stuff, because, uh, you know, it's only 365 days in the year and lots of people in the calendar. So um, anyway, it's going to be awesome. So you should buy it. You have until uh, Tuesday to buy it, uh, which is the end of January. I'm, I'm ordering it on February 1st. And that way I can get it to you by March 1st, where the calendar starts. So it runs March through February. It's a baseball calendar. So, um, and I also have quotes all through the calendar. I've said calendar a lot, but it's um, uh, quotes like from Ernie Banks, Harry Carey. Um, uh, what's his name? Um, what's his, the, the famous uh, Studs Terkel. Studs Terkel quotes are in it. <laughs> You know, I hope you didn't expect me to get that because you just did the famous yada yada, yeah, and I'm like, I mean, Seth Turkel was definitely not on the list of names that I was going to help you with. I was doing with. it to myself, like, come on, Danny, think about it. <laughs> but uh, anyway, it's it's going to be awesome. I'm ordering it, so if you want to order one, it's sunranto s o n r a n t o dot com slash calendar. Go to sunranto dot com, click on the calendar page. And it'll have all the instructions right there and uh, be a part of it because you'll be disappointed if you see one and you're not in it. So there's a awesome awesome calendar. I I love all of that. Um, I do get a calendar every year and I'm very grateful that Danny puts it together. It's nice to see all of your smiling faces and to see a little bit. Um, Yeah. Just, I don't know, man. It's nice to have a calendar. That's, that's, centered around Cubs baseball and Cubs fans. And it's a lot of work that Danny does. And I very much appreciate it. Uh, Danny, where can people find you on social media? If they have any questions about the calendar at Sunranto S O N R A N T O on Twitter and uh, pretty much everywhere. Yeah. You can find me at at BCB underscore Sarah, no H on the Sarah. You can find both of us here uh, until the end of February. We will let you know as soon as we know where this podcast will wind up. Uh, after that point, but but stay tuned. We've got some cool ideas in it, and it will be incredible. And you can find both of us at bleedcubbyblue.com where you can always listen to our baseball banter. Until next time.